Welcome to the podcast. Today we go uh, to Portland and talk to Elijah Schaefer, who has been going to all of these protests and all the craziness going on. He gives us an update on what's going on with Antifa there. We have uh, a couple of guests on today, doctors, one making the case that, hey, masks, uh, maybe they're not as effective as, as we've been told. And the other saying, hey, they are pretty effective, and here's why you should use them. Kind of going back and forth and trying to understand not only that, but also the psychology of the pro-mask versus anti-mask uh, people. We also have a, a Bill Barr, who's testifying today. Uh, the Democrats are going after Barr now. That's their big uh, election uh, season push. I think it's a big mistake for them, but they're going to try it anyway. Uh, we'll get into that as well today. Make sure to go to RadioVote.com, RadioVote.com, and vote for Glenn into the Radio Hall of Fame. If you think he deserves it. I mean, I personally don't. But if you do, uh, make sure you go to RadioVote.com and give him a vote. It's uh, available to August 9th, one vote per email address. We'd love for you to participate in that if you have a second. And you can go to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. Save 10 bucks off of your subscription. Uh, tonight, uh, a brand new Stu Does America. And tomorrow... Uh, Stu Does America right into the new Glenn Beck uh, show, which goes uh, tomorrow and is all about uh, some of the myths uh, and uh, truths about COVID-19. We'll get into that as well. You can subscribe to the podcast here and rate and review it, please, as well as the one over uh, with Stu Does America. Five stars, the appropriate number of stars. Here's the podcast. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. Okay, so we have uh, Jason on with us. Jason is our head researcher um, and uh, head writer. Uh, and we were talking about this this lovely project uh, that he uh, he uh, uh, unearthed yesterday. Jason, give me more of the details of this economic forum that you that you know now. You know the World Economic Forum. I always pay attention to him because some of the craziest stuff comes out of there. Uh, he talked. You just talked about the uh, fourth industrial revolution. They're actually one of the only ones that are talking about that. And you've talked about that a little bit yourself, Glenn, about how there's going to be massive job loss once all this, you know, the technology mm-hmm. revolution comes in. And they're some of the only people that are talking about it. But the problem is when you talk about it and when they talk about it, there's two completely different motives. Uh, for instance, in this mm-hmm. Great Reset, they mentioned the uh, the Fourth Industrial Revolution because part of their plan is to digitize everything, to get more government and private corporation control linked together. And when you hear that, it's things that we've been talking about over the past couple months. Uh, you know, when we talked about Event 201, uh, and that was like their war game for you know a virus, and they used the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And like a month later, the coronavirus hit. That was completely separate from each other. But the point is they were game planning these things because they want to fundamentally change econo- the economic, global economic governance. They want to completely change it. They want more government control over private corporations. And um, I tell and you it's what not, I first it's heard. Not just, it, it's not being presented as control. It's being presented as uh, um, a partnership. A public-private right. partnership, which is the definition of fascism. Right, right. And when you hear, the, especially when you hear their leader, Klaus Schwab, talk about it, if you're not really paying attention, if you're just listening to the bullet points, you don't hear all the little things. But I've been reading through their in-depth reports, and even those aren't really in-depth because they're leaving out the ultimate, ah, we're taking control. They leave that part out of it. 
But you, when you read between the lines, this stuff sounds incredibly scary. So when I first heard him talk about this, what piqued my interest and got me looking into it more is he goes, this might be too ide- idealistic, but we have to try. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. And he goes in. <laughs> that's always like a warning spot. Usually, you, let's take a step back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, we may have to kill about- a few people to get it done, <laughs> but that's okay. He, he talks, he goes into more in depth on how they're going to do this. So the first step is they talk about redefining the social contract. Now, they specifically slam, I thought this was interesting, Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. And they said, you know what? Mm. The time of self-reliance is over. Big government is back. Actually, I don't think they said big, but they said government is back. They were ta- They talk about less self-reliance, more government, global government control. They actually said government is back. Reagan and Thatcher are of the past. Okay, they go on. They talk about the green economy. Now, when you, when you make fun of people like uh, AOC, it's easy to make fun of her because she's got a doorknob where, where her brain should be. But there's people behind her that are pushing this. It's very, very obvious. There's there's actual influential people that are behind this. The green economy is something they're really pushing. Um, cow farts are not just funny. These are the things they're using to push this global, you know, c- uh, corporate control. Um, mm-hmm. Again, they talked about digitizing everything. They want everything digital. They want all all records digitized, everything digital. Modifying capitalism was the, the shareholder to stakeholder economy. It, it, that's kind of hard to understand. But what, from what I've seen is they're looking at a model of capitalism where the industry focuses on social good and not just corporate good. Again, that's yeah, kind of well, hard. This, to, uh, the, no, no, no. It's, it's really not. Um, I like to call their capitalism uh, communism uh, <laughs> or fascism because what it is is they say don't concentrate on the shareholders, the stakeholders. Well, who are the stakeholders? The stakeholders are the people who work there, uh, you know, and the, the people in the community. Those are the stakeholders. So there is no real... Uh, private property as we as we know it there are no private businesses as we know it and it'll be great because well gosh darn it you're going to be able to uh you're going to be able to not worry about your business or your bills anymore i mean this is this is why they have taken out all of the entrepreneurs uh, and quite honestly, if you took the PPP, I completely understand. But one of my fears on the PPP was it's going to enslave you to the government. Somehow or another, they're going to use that to say, well, now we were there for you. Uh, I mean, you don't have to pay it back, but gosh darn it. I mean, you really should abide by these kinds of things. I'm a little concerned about the the PPP, and I'm, I'm wildly concerned if the Democrats get in. This is what we saw in Ukraine is just the tip of the iceberg on this. This is a global effort, which is why it was a global effort to impeach Donald Trump. Donald Trump, I believe, is the only guy in the world that is going to stand up against this. That's why he has to get out of 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 Washington. They won't take it any other way. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program.
let me go to uh, one more one more doctor, and that is uh, Dr. Carlin Borisenko. She's an organizational psychologist. She's you know a Forbes contributor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. She's now uh, part of our uh, our our circle of friends. And I ask her to look into because I think Stu weren't both doctors pretty much saying the same thing. Yeah, closer than you would have thought. I mean, they definitely had some, yeah, I think, I disagreement mean, on, on, on certain things. But generally speaking, they're saying yeah. they're somewhat effective, uh, but you still, you know, they're not universally effective. Yeah, exactly right. So, so, Carlin, where is this? I'm going to spray you with pepper spray if you're not wearing one outside. Where is this coming from? Well, I think, you know, first to take a step back, I want to do a disclaimer and say, I am not a medical doctor. I am not speaking on the effectiveness of masks. But one of the things that has been very worrisome for me about the whole mask thing, and I said this was going to happen back in March, is it's it's dehumanizing to people. We're we're literally stopped. We're not seeing each other as human beings when we're in this pro-mask versus anti-mask debate. Now, in some respects, that makes sense because the way our brain evolved, our survival mechanism, whether or not we're afraid that we're going to die, is the number one thing that we will make decisions on. And if we are afraid that we're going to die or be put in some sort of danger, that's going to kick off our fight or flight mechanism, which essentially is, you know, either you're going to fight the situation aggressively which is what we see when we're seeing people pepper spray one another out in public when they could just easily socially distance, walk around, you know, separate themselves from mm-hmm. the people not wearing masks. Instead, they're fighting it aggressively, which is the fight uh, mechanism of that. The other option is, of course, to run away in the other direction to flee from what you think is going to attack you. But, you know, what is striking about this for me, Glenn, because the last time I spoke with you, we talked about, you know, white fragility and all of that. And one of the things that I actually think is so interesting about um, what's going on with the masks, it is actually mirrors what they talk about in white fragility, which is if someone is saying that I don't feel comfortable wearing a mask for whatever reason, whether whether it's simply an emotional thing or it's actually a medical reason that they don't want to wear a mask, that is an individual decision. Whereas, you know, what, what they argue in white fragility is that individualism is bad. White people are in, act as individuals and that's somehow bad. And I, I almost feel as though it's become so politicized because the two issues have become incredibly conflated. If you look at how people are speaking about these online, you're going to see that People who are pro-mask usually tend to be more on the left. People who are anti-mask tend to be, though not exclusively, more on the right. And and I think that it's really, it's kind of like this perfect storm of nonsense that has descended onto the issue of masks. Whereas what, what we could be doing is exactly what you just t- did, have a medical discussion where you're hearing from both sides about the effectiveness of it and approach the situation much more calmly than it's being approached right now. Yeah, it's everything is this uh, this idea that the science is settled. And if you don't agree with it, you're somehow or another an enemy of all mankind. The science clearly is not settled. The science seems to be leaning uh, in the direction that a mask is better than nothing. But I don't think anybody is taking into account the effects that the media has had on politicizing absolutely everything uh, by blaming everybody who is has ever voted a Republican uh, into office as a bad guy. 
and everybody like Cuomo, who is a Democrat, is a savior. Uh, Neither one of those is true. They have told us different things. The science continues to change on this. And for the very first time, we are expected to not respond or not have an opinion. And I think that is the symbol. The mask is the symbol of that feeling of powerlessness that 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 I've got a virtue signal when you don't know what the hell you're even talking about. Because I think most people would wear the mask um, and they'd just be fine with it, you know, if they can do their part. Some won't. I get it. Um, But if it wasn't for this politicization of all of this, if it wasn't that um, you are somehow or another a horrible human being, it becomes almost a badge of honor to not wear the mask just as much on the left as it does to wear the mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And another part of this, too, is that there are legitimate medical reasons why people might not want to wear a mask, whether that has to do with a medical condition where they may struggle to breathe in it or a psychological condition, like if they struggle from depression or anxiety or claustrophobia, there could be absolute reasons why a mask is not the best choice. And, you know, in, in a civilized society, we would say, well, if you can wear a mask, you should, because there are people who can't. But that's not what's happening. We're seeing people who have very legitimate reasons. And by the way, organizations, stores, businesses, they are not allowed to ask what the medical reasons are. That's your private information. And we're seeing these people be turned away or shunned. I mean, I look at the case that happened to Brandon Strzok from the walkaway campaign probably about a month ago is he got kicked off an American airline flight for not wearing a mask. And it created this whole hullabaloo. And I actually talked to him later in the day and he said, Carlin, they didn't even ask me if I had any sort of medical condition. So we reach the point where the benefit of the doubt is just not given at all in these scenarios and instantly the person who is not wearing the mask is demonized yeah carlin thank you so much uh we'll talk again uh carlin borisenko uh and um and uh, uh what she has to say i think is is so very valuable um i know pat doesn't wear a mask And the reason why Pat doesn't wear a mask is because he has severe claustrophobia, severe claustrophobia. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Barr is about to testify. Uh, We stations are going to be covering his opening statements. Uh, Yesterday, Fox News broke the story of his uh, his opening of his uh, testimony. Yet I I look I just searched on Google for uh, William Barr testimony. And uh, see, I've got uh, I've got NPR. Uh, I've got CNN, The Hill, ABC News, NPR, New York Times, New York Times, New York Post, PBS, Business Insider, Page Two, YouTube, Slate, The Hill, The Hill, Time, Washington Post, ABC, New York Seven, Politico, CBS News, Page Three, 
ABC, the Washington Examiner, that's the first one that's been a conservative, uh, NBC News, The Daily Beast, CNBC, USA, to, uh, USA 9, Roll Call, Axios, Yahoo, VOA News, still no Fox News report, Fact Check, Chicago Tribune, ESPN, C-SPAN, Newsweek, Detroit News, KBTX, New York Fox 5, WF. T, uh, uh, W-U-F-T, WMCA Action News 5. I mean, we are down to local news. I am on page five. Still nothing from Fox News. Page six. Still nothing from Fox News. This is unbelievable. There it is. Page, the end of page six. Wow. And it's a story that's four days old. Uh, wow. It's interesting trying to get your news uh, today, especially I thought these search engines were supposed to get to know you and provide the things that you were looking for. How does it mistake me as not wanting something from a conservative point of view? How's that possible? Well, we're going to give it to you, straight straight scoop. You'll be able to hear it live as uh, William Barr testifies, you know, because they're they're trying to impeach him. But uh, apparently he's going to blow the doors off. This is the Glenn Beck Program.